this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be exploring the readings for the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time in Cycle B, that's July 18th, 2021. The readings that we have for this week tell us that just because someone appears to be a shepherd doesn't mean that that person is a good shepherd. Uh, if we look, Jesus alone is the ultimate good shepherd, and he's going to do everything he can to bring all of his sheep back into the one fold that is his, where he can minister to them in a way that they deserve. Most of us have some people in our lives who are shepherds for us. And maybe there's some people who, for whom we are shepherds. This is a good time to explore, with perhaps with the help of somebody else, just how good we are at following the shepherds in our life and how, what a good shepherd we are. So we need to take a look at that, see where we are the good sheep, and where we are, um, we model our lives on that of the Good Shepherd. I want to start, first of all, with the, uh, the responsorial psalm, because it's Psalm 23, and we have Psalm 23 so many times during the year, and perhaps we haven't looked at it quite the way we ought to. I see that there are 10 promises that are in there. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So he's going to give us all that we need. In burdened pastures, he gives me repose. So he's going to have a provide for us situations in which we can rest. Besides restful waters, he leads me. He's going to lead us on the path that we're supposed to go. He refreshes my soul. He, he gives you a newness uh, that we don't have. A, he guides me in the right path. So he's going to make sure that you go the right way. I fear no evil for he, he is at my side. He's walking beside us. Your rod and your staff, they give me courage. So we get courage. He's going to give us the courage we need. You spread a table before me. He, he's going to provide for all of our needs again. But this, in a way, he's going to feed us in a special way in the sight of my foes. So we're going to have stuff from the Lord, his blessings, even when others in our lives don't have. You anoint my head with oil. Now that's important because the oil was used for two things, selection, confirmation, and for healing. So he's going to provide that. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of the, my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. He's going to provide that place for us to abide. He's, he wants us to live with him eternally in heaven. With that, let's take a look at the first reading. And the first reading is from Jeremiah 23, verses 1 to 6. And when, we, when you look at this, you say, well, I thought we just had something very similar to this recently, and you sure did. Uh, if you want to take a look at Ezekiel 34, 1 to 16, we see that not only has the prophet Jeremiah uh, call the people to task that in the reading we have here. But Ezekiel did the same thing. And he's talking to the same things. Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter my flock, the flock of my pasture, says the Lord. So he's talking about those people who are the leaders that he has appointed to lead the people of Israel. And they're not doing a good job. Uh, the idea that I get out of this first couple of lines, three lines here, is that the the shepherds, the, the leaders, particularly the religious leaders, are creating chaos in the lives of the people they're supposed to lead. Therefore, he's, thus for, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, against the shepherds who shepherd my people, you have scattered my sheep, repeats that again, say, you have scattered my sheep and driven them away. You have not cared for them, but I will take care to punish your evil deeds. So again, he's talk, we've got twice here in this reading where he's talking about you scattered, you misled and you scattered the sheep. So, we look at that, and, and we don't really know what they should have been. Like maybe they didn't know what they should have been doing. We know what we, they should have been doing. We can see that in retrospect. But here, in these next few lines, next five lines, he's, he's giving a warning to the shepherds. 
you got time to repent, but you haven't done it so far. So let's get there. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, verses 4 to 7, where Jesus tells us about this same thing in a parable. He says, which one of you with a hundred sheep, if one, if he lost one, would fail to leave the 99 in the desert and go after the missing one until he found it? And when he found it, would not he not be joyfully take it on his shoulders and then when he got home call his friends together and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me i have found the sheep that was lost in the same way i tell you there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner repenting than over the 99 upright who have no need of repentance so god is is the good shepherd jesus is the good shepherd and he's going he is the good shepherd in this this parable who's going after the lost Okay, let's look also at John chapter 10, verses 14 to, to we'll do through 18. And Jesus tells us, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. And there are other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must leave these too. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will, and I have the power to lay it down, so I have the power to take it up again. And this is the command I have received from my Father. So Jesus is declaring himself to be the good shepherd. He's also told us that, that there are shepherds. The person that's not the real shepherd, who's the hireling, that doesn't own the sheep, is going to run away. And when you look in the, in the reading from Ezekiel, you'll see that the main thing that Ezekiel was saying is that these that the leaders were self-serving. They took all the wealth, all the stuff that was there, and left the, the people that they're supposed to be leading uh, out there with nothing. So let's look. Okay, so he gathered his flock, the remnant of my flock, from all the lands to which I have driven them, and bring them back to their meadow. So this is talking about the dispersion that took place several places. <clears throat> There they shall increase and multiply. I will appoint shepherds for them who will shepherd them so that they no need no longer fear and tremble. And none shall be missing, says the Lord. So what God is saying here through Jeremiah is that there is going to come a time when someone is going to be here who will bring restore order to the flock. The flock is in disorder. It's in chaos because of the poor shepherding. And the there is fear and trembling among the sheep, but he's going to send somebody. And guess who that somebody is going to be? That's going to be Jesus Christ, correct? See, and then he goes into the prophecy who that's going to be. And he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous shoot to David as king. He shall reign and govern wisely. He shall do what is just and right in the land. And there's a parallel of that in uh, in. Uh, 30, chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. Uh, one of the things uh, that a scripture that you may not think is is uh, appropriate here, but let's look at Job chapter 14, verses 7 to 9. I think I've used this several times already, but I'm going to do it again. It says, there is always hope for a tree. When felled, it can start its life again. Its shoots continue to sprout. Its roots may have grown old in the earth, its stump rotting in the ground, but let it scent water and its buds put out branches like a newly set, set plant. This is Jesus. He's talking about that he's going to do this on the stump of the 
stock of Jacob. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus created a new life. If you know, remember that the religious leaders were just surprised because Jesus spoke with authority. He didn't vacillate this way and that way, so he didn't have to be told to tell anybody what, his, what he thought. He did what he thought he should do. Uh, Psalm 72, verse 1 and 2 says, God, endow the king with your fair judgment, the son of the king, with your own saving justice, that he may rule your people with justice and the poor with fair judgment. Again, Jesus is the fulfillment of this. He's the son of the king, God, the father, the king. Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 3 says, A shoot will spring from the stock of Jesse. A new shoot will grow from his roots. On him will rest the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of wisdom and insight, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and fear of Yahweh. His inspiration will lie in fearing Yahweh. His judgment will not be by appearances, this verdict not by hearsay. Again, prophecy of Jesus. So what what are we going to do there? Are you, do you believe that? Let's look at Zechariah chapter 3, verses 8 to 10 again. For this is a stone which I put for Joshua, a stone which are seven eyes. I myself shall cut the inscription, Yahweh Sabbath. So listen, high priest Joshua, and you colleagues, you provided, for they are an omen of things to come. Now I shall bring forth my servant, the branch, and I shall remove this country's guilt in a single day. Good Friday. On that day, Yahweh Sabbath declares, I invite each other to come under your vine and your fig tree. So that's what God wants. So this is the promise that God gave through Jeremiah. He's warning the, the religious leaders that there's a problem, but he's also giving them uh, a promise that things can, will change. They may not be involved in it, but there's going to be a change. I'm going to take a quick look at the Alleluia verse here. The Alleluia verse is... John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. If Jesus is the good shepherd and we are members of the flock, question for each of us then has to be, do you hear his voice? And if you hear his voice, do you follow him? And I, as I say so frequently, you can't hear his voice if there's so much noise going on in your life or if all of your prayers are directed uh, to speaking to God and you don't give him an opportunity to, to speak back to you. If you're talking to Jesus and you're telling him all that's on your heart and all that you need and this and that and the other thing and you don't take time to let him speak back to you, it's no wonder you don't hear his voice and you can't follow him if you don't do that. Now, the, the gospel is uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 34. Now, remember last, in last week they were sent off two by two to, to work miracles and to preach, and here they're coming back. And so you can see, you can find some more of that in, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, and Luke 9, chapter, chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, this return. Uh, and this immediately proceeds in those uh, accounts the uh, multiplication of the loaves and fishes. We'll, we'll be doing that next week as well. So the apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done. Now again, remember, apostle, 
the word, the Greek word means a delegate or an ambassador. So they are, uh, they are the officially designated people that Jesus had to do that. And it says, and they gathered together. And that, that, that means that they, they may have been separated when they were doing their ministry. I mean, so there were six groups that went out. And so there are six groups coming back. And now they're back together, although they had been separated to do this ministry. And reported all that they had done and taught. Now, the word report there actually means to announce. So they're telling each other. And can you imagine what it was like to be, <coughs> pardon me, in that group when they all came back together and, and probably were tra- talking over each other, trying to explain what good they had done and how excited they were because of what they had done. <coughs> Jesus saw all this, and as he did some other times, he says, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. So they've, they've spent themselves. They've, they've done what the good shepherd does. They've laid down their lives for the sheep to whom they were sent. So they've, they've spent their energy doing that. They are so excited that they need now to a time of recollection, a time of not just of, of, of physical rest, but of mental and spiritual rest. And Jesus is calling them to do that. Now, he does that other places, too. Uh, the, when, uh, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded in Matthew 13, 14, verses 13 and 14, says, when Jesus received the news, he withdrew by boat to a lonely place where they could be by themselves. And again, same thing that we're going to see here. But the crowds heard of this and leaving the towns went after him on foot so that as he stepped ashore, he saw a large crowd and he took pity on them and healed their sick. You also see it in Mark chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read 1 to 4. It says, When he returned to Capernaum sometime later, word went around that he was in the house, and so many people collected that there was no room left, even in front of the door. He was preaching the word to them when some people came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. But as they could not get the man through the crowd, they stripped the roof over the place where Jesus was, and when they had made an opening, they lowered the stretcher on which the paralytic lay. And again, Mark 3.20 says, He went home again at once such a crowd collected that they could not even have a meal. When his relations heard of this, they set out to take charge of him and said, He is out of his mind. So, so Jesus is trying to have this... Uh, time of quiet refreshment and here even here it says all they said to come away and rest for a while it says the people were coming and going in great numbers and they had no opportunity even to eat so they had no opportunity to take care of themselves if you are ministering all the time to somebody and you don't take time to eat and sleep and and pray you're you're not going to be effective. Soon you're going to be, totally be, be ineffective. But again, what happens so frequently is if God is using you, as God was using Jesus and he had used the, the apostles, that the people are so needy, again, because they're not getting fed spiritually. They're not receiving the blessings that, that God wants to give them through the religious leaders, that they're flocking to Jesus. The people saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot 
from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. I, I have to laugh at this because uh, either either the uh, the boat that they were in was very slow or there was it's very still and maybe the wind wasn't blowing if it had a sail or the apostles were not very good at rowing because if they're doing a catacorner cutting across the lake, they should have been able to get there ahead of the people who are walking around the edge of the lake. So it's just think about that for a minute. Uh, there's a saying by uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta says, sometimes we believe we need rest and our rest is interrupted. So this is what's happening here. Remember, Mother Teresa had worked long hours. A lot of the saints, if you look at that, what they've done, they have worked extremely long hours and and didn't really have a time to rest. So what happens then? It says when he dis, dis, pardon me, when he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them. Key verses here, key lines. For they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now the word shepherd there is uh, it means that they're just exactly that someone who takes care of the sheep. And this would be something that the people of this area would have been very familiar with what a shepherd would do and, and took care of the sheep. And the other thing that that you have to understand here is are two things you should understand. Number one, the shepherds were held in low esteem among the people at that time. But they knew that the 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 uh, son of David who was to be the Messiah would be a shepherd king as well, just as David was a shepherd king. And Jesus is saying here that these people are looking for someone to give them the things that they need. They are sheep who have not been tended to properly. The, the pastures in which they are, are, are not, they're not being fed. They're, they're not being anointed with oil. They're not doing all the things that we read in the 23rd Psalm that the good shepherd will do. He, he, they, they are very needy and, and wanting of things. They're restless. They are scattered and running here and there looking for something for themselves and for their families. They don't, they are downtrodden. They are, they don't, they don't have a sense that there's any place where they can find rest for their weary souls. They don't see that the shepherds that they have, the religious leaders they have, are giving them a pathway to that is right to get there. I mean, they're getting rules, all these rules, but there's no what, nobody telling them, how do I obey these rules? And the, the, the religious leaders, again, are not walking by their side. They're, they're at one level and the people are on another level. They don't give the people courage. They don't do anything to, to encourage them. They look down upon the people. They don't provide physically and mentally and spiritually for the people that they are supposed to be responsible for. They don't do anything that, anything that the anointing would do. There's no healing that's going on, no, no healing of the person, no, no calling out to... Uh, to be better than you can be, no, no sharing of the ministry. And it's as though there's no way that anybody who's doing this is ever going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Nobody's going to heaven because they can't live the law. And so you, you've got this going on here, and Jesus is preaching and telling them that they need, 
This is what he's telling his disciples. Okay, let's take a look at the second reading. And the second reading is from Ephesians 2, 13 to 18. And this is an important reading also. And it, it, it fits in a way uh, because it's talking about the universality of the salvation that Jesus brought to the world. So let's take a look at it. Brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, you were once far off. Now let's take a look at, at and uh, off, have become near by the blood of Christ. The note in the Jerusalem Bible, note K, the Jerusalem and New Jerusalem Bible, says that the crucifixion of Christ that brought together Jews and non-Jews, verses 14 and 15, and reconciled both with the Father. So we'll, we'll get down here and we'll, we'll have some other scriptures that we'll look at. Uh, they, they're there. And let's go back to, to, to John chapter 10, verse 16, where Jesus says, And there are other sheep I have that are not of this fold, and I must lead these too. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is being addressed to the, the Ephesians, telling, and talking about the, that, you know, in Christ Jesus, it's, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. There's a oneness that's there. So let's take what, what's going on. What's happening there then is that this is what you're, the separation, this dispersion that was there uh, that started with the call of Abraham or started probably even earlier than that uh, at the Tower of Babel. Babel, pardon me. And so there's this separation that has taken place over time, and Jesus is going to be doing the reuniting. For he is our peace who made both one and broke down the dividing wall of enmity through his flesh. So let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. For a son has been born for us, a son has been given to us, and dominion has been laid on his shoulders, and this is the name he will be given, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, so he's, and by his death, it's, in, it's big with Paul, is abolishing the law with its commandments and legal claims. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. And this is the scripture I was talking about earlier. And this is, there can be neither Jew nor Greek. There can be neither slave nor freedman. There can be neither male nor female. For you are one in Christ Jesus. And simply by being Christ, you are made, or you are the progeny of Abraham, the heirs in the promise. So by our taking on what Jesus Christ has done for us, and to use uh, terms that some of our Protestant brothers and sisters uh, use, accepting him as our personal Savior, but that in the Catholic Church, that it, that is that vertical part of the cross, but there's the horizontal as well, and that's Paul is speaking to the whole community, both in Ephesians and in Galatians. And I'm going to look at, I think we ought to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 also. He has wiped out the record of our debt to the law, which stood against us, he has destroyed it by nailing it to the cross, and he has stripped the sovereignties and the ruling forces and traded them in public behind him in his triumphant procession. So God, he's, Colossians is telling us that the that the evil spirits, all the, the, the forces of evil in the world have been defeated. They don't really know it yet, and they don't act like it yet, but they've been defeated by the cross. So, so, that he might claim that one person out in place of the two, so Gentile and Jew. 
thus establishing peace and reconcile both with God in one body through the cross, putting that enmity to death by it. So it, Jesus, by his death and resurrection, by ascending of the Holy Spirit, has made us all one, regardless of what our background is, our ethnicity, where we have come from. And so he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near, for through him we have both, both have access in one spirit to the Father. Let's take a look at Isaiah 57, verse 19. It says, bringing peace to their lips, peace, peace to far and near, Yahweh says, and I shall heal him. So God, God through Jesus Christ, is to heal the divisions in people, to heal their, the sickness of sin, to heal all of the, all of the things that are in hindering them from, from coming to God and totally being the sheep in the one sheepfold and being the good sheep rather than the rebellious sheep. Let's look again at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 10. He will, <clears throat> this is talking about two things. He will banish the chariots, chariots from Ephraim, which would be the northern kingdom, and horses from Jerusalem, which would be the southern kingdom. The bow of war will be banished. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His empire will stretch from sea to sea, from the river to the limits of the earth. So, and what you have to understand is that horses at this point in time were really used as to pull chariots and were associated with war, whereas when you came in peace, you rode a donkey. I don't know whether that helps understand a little bit about what is there. We have so much that we have to look at of ourselves, and I don't know that, uh, that we do that frequently enough. Now, these, these readings can be very harsh, particularly if you see yourself as the rebellious sheep or as a failing shepherd, but they're really not meant to be a, a, a source of discouragement for us, that we do not live up to the standards of the good shepherd, or that we are not sheep to obey the words and the desires of our shepherds. And we have to understand that our shepherds can be Jesus Christ. He's appointed the Holy Father as his successor on earth through succession from Peter. He's done that through the magisterium of the church, he does that through our bishops and our pastors, through our parents, if we're young, uh, perhaps someone who has some kind of authority over us. So rather than we get discouraged that we're not living up to the standards that we ought to be living up to, let's resolve to do better in the future with the help of God's grace. Remember, my grace is sufficient for you. And if that's true, then we can overcome all the impediments in our lives to become who God created us to be. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and I hope that we'll be together again next week.